Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Believe in Colts, where Lawrence Owen and Dequel Jackson bring you everything about the shoe. What's going on, Colts Nation? Welcome to another episode of Believe in Colts live stream again with myself and Dequel Jackson. Dequel, how's uh? I I heard that um, someone close to you that you knew pretty well passed. Yes, yes. So uh, it's a guy named Trevor Mowad. He is a mental conditioning coach. I actually heard the news through social media this morning. And, uh, you know, it it explains why we kind of lost contact uh, some time ago. And I didn't know he was battling cancer for the past two years. And he was a guy, and we've talked offline a little bit about it. He was a guy that helped me when I was in a really dark place over 10 years ago. And he basically you know, kind of retool my brain into, you know, being the guy that I am today and and approaching my career as a professional and just mapping out every detail of of my life at that moment. He's helped myself and he's worked really closely with Nick Saban, uh, Florida State, you know, uh, the, the head coach here near University of Maryland, Mike Loxley. So he's impacted so many athletes like myself. So I just want to give my condolences to his family uh, because he was a great guy, Trevor Mouad. I uh, have his book here. It takes what it ta- it takes. What it takes. One of his sayings that he always he lived and died by. It. So uh, you know, it was unfortunate to hear the news, but his legacy will live on for a very long time. Oh yeah, especially with all the the people that he's helped. You know, um, yeah, no the, you you can't you can't put a price on your mental health. So you know. That's and it, he was he was ahead of the curve. He was ahead of the curve. That was over ten years ago. That's when I really started investing in the mental aspect of my game, not just studying more and watching film more. Actually, having tools to help your brain process information better. And I was at IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida, years ago. Uh, now they have a football team there, but their facilities were top notch during that time and. Uh, it really gave me a lot of tools to that I currently use to this day. So uh, I'm a huge component of playing the game above the shoulders, as I like to say, uh, because a lot of athletes just train their bodies. And you have to know, hey, if you're going to be what makes a, an average player great is up here. It's not necessarily what, what the physical attributes that you have, but when you can invest up here, the sky's the limit. Speaking of great athletes, the Colts are missing a few of them in practice the last couple days. We're looking at guys like Quentin Nelson, guys like Darius Leonard, Braden Smith, and Xavier Rhodes again for the second straight week in a row. Mm. Man, those are four, like, pillars of our team on the starting lineup. If if those guys can't go, uh, that's really going to impact, I think, 
uh, the outcome of the game this Sunday against the Rams. Yeah, you need all your dogs in this fight because it was you have a lot to play for this upcoming week against the L.A. Rams. As you mentioned, you know, Darius Leonard has been battling this ankle injury for quite some time. You know, this last game against the Seahawks, he had it taped up. And I know as well as anyone, when you start the season off, not practicing, not getting that flow and creating that routine throughout the season, that's. That impacts not only week one, but it impacts you throughout week 17 and potentially throughout the playoffs. So it's imperative that the Colts do whatever they can to make sure all their dogs are prepared to play because no one likes a lingering injury. And the more you play, the more you expose your body, the other injuries that creep up because of what you're having to deal with currently. So it's very concerning to me. Hopefully, you know, as the week progresses, Wednesday and Thursday, uh, these guys get slowly can be implemented back into the, the the practice routine. But right now, you know, I'm like you, I'm throwing that caution flag. Absolutely. Another caution flag that I'm worried about, the Braden Smith thing, right? I mean, he had a foot injury apparently happened during the game against Seattle, but didn't report it until Monday on the walkthrough come in and said, my foot hurts. And now the Colts aren't giving any kind of details on what the injury is or, or anything right. of that. Is that is that a common thing to where uh, teams won't let anyone know? Yeah, it is. It is. Sometimes because of the adrenaline and he may have had a all shot or that adrenaline is flowing, you know, it takes a day or two for your body really to calm down. And then when you get up and get active, you realize, holy crap, you know, my, my ankle isn't feeling right or my shoulder has a tweak and a lot of times, guys, early in the season, you don't you want to avoid the training room because when you when you decide to go in that training room, you're on the list. You have to come to treatment early every morning until you're 100 percent healthy. And as we just talked about, once you start off with an ailing injury, you know, other things start to creep up. So, no, there's not many guys that enjoy being in the, the training room because you can't get out. I mean, you're talking about. The day starts at 8.30. Some guys show up a tad bit early, maybe an hour earlier. But when you when you are, you know, obviously every guy wants to be healthy, but when you have to go to the training room, you're up at 5 in the morning. You know, mm-hmm. you have to get there at 5 in the morning to take care of a, an injury that may or may not keep you from the game. So aside from that, it does happen. Some things you just don't feel right away. And, and a big guy like himself, I mean, he had a tough outing. You know, I... I I'm not surprised there's something ailing him at this moment, but hopefully he's okay. You know, Wednesday, he can get his body back, take a day off, and hopefully on Thursday and and Friday, if he doesn't practice on Friday, then that's really concerning because Friday everywhere in the National Football League is third down day. That's the most critical, you know, down in the, you know, throughout the National Football League, and it's important on both sides. So if a guy has any, anything kind of nagging, you sit him out Wednesday, you kind of throw him in the mix Thursday, and Friday is the day you want to see him moving in and out and doing third down day and, and short yardage day and so have and so forth. So uh, it's going to be interesting, and I'm going to definitely keep an eye on this moving forward. Oh, definitely got to keep an eye on uh, Quentin Nelson. I, I expect Nelson and Leonard to play like we was talking earlier. Um, it's nagging injuries it's been dealing with uh, for some time, but that I, I feel like – the Colts will probably have them play with those injuries. They're just giving them time off to 
to try to get right as well as they can. But we're talking about three guys on the offensive line between Quentin Nelson, Braden Smith, and let's not forget Eric Fisher, who has been limited um, for yes. the last week. Yes. Uh, these three guys can't go. We're looking at a pass rush from the Rams that starring guys like Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd. All right. Um, yes. that's, that's a scare. We thought we were in trouble. We thought that we had a, a bad outing on Sunday against the Seahawks. We can't have something like that against the Rams. No, I, I thousand percent agree with you here, Lawrence, because on the other side of things, the LA Rams, that D line, that's a proven bunch rushing the pass. Mm-hmm. And if you paid attention to the film and you watch our old line play last week, you better believe Sean McVay and that defensive staff is trying to manipulate ways to move number 99, which is Aaron Donald around to whatever weak spot, weak, that glaring weak spot that we have on our offensive line to expose it. So if we don't have any of those guys available, even if they are available, we know they're playing on one leg. You know, they're going to be, you know, they're, they're, it's a target on their back. So it's going to be interesting to see. The, you know, this is a, like I said, this is a proven bunch on the D-line standpoint for the Rams. Like, we have to find ways to either get the ball out of Carson Wentz's hands very quickly, run the ball, uh, win the time of possession. We have to do things to negate some of those blaring holes at this moment. Speaking of running the ball, uh, I just got off uh, recording with L.A. football podcast. And he's a little worried about the run D. The, he's, the, the yes. Rams do not like to stack the box against the run. Yes. And the Colts have got a, quite a good running back stable. Do you think that Indy should really lean heavily on that aspect of their game in order to help Carson Wentz out? Hell yeah. I watched the same <laughs> game, game that you watched. Uh, that was concerning to me from, well, it was concerning, but it benefits us. Because if you look at last game with the L.A. Rams, uh, I forget the running back's name from Chicago, but he had some pretty decent runs for 30 yards and 20 yards and 40. So there is there is uh, some positivity, you know, in terms of, you know, uh, helping our O-line. Hey, run blocking is easy. When you become an O-line, that's the first thing you learn how to do is 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 uh, run run block. So uh, that that is fair to say. <laughs> From the from the Ram standpoint, it's a way to keep Aaron Donald kind of stabilized. When he's able to pin his ears back and he knows it's third and long or second and long, that's when the game becomes very difficult for Carson Wentz because now you have to throw the ball deeper down the field. You got to uh, create more chunk plays down the field, and that's what we want to avoid. We want to get in third and medium and and win first down and those type of things, and that will come with running the football and being committed to running the football against this Rams defense. Absolutely. Um, so there was a lot of question marks around Carson Wentz in this game. You and I, we said that, you know, we thought that Wentz played pretty good considering the circumstances. Uh, but we go back and we look at the, his time to throw, and it's one of the worst in the NFL uh, during week one. It was like uh, 2.8, 2.9 seconds. Uh, that's that's pretty long. Uh, where yeah. do you where do you feel that? Because uh, obviously we don't want Carson Wentz holding the ball too long against this right. defense. Uh, where can we? What well, what can the Colts do to help alleviate that? Sure. I, I, the first thing that comes to mind is receiver bubble screens. 
you know, it, it's just like a run play, but you know, you're able to get those D linemen running from sideline to sideline. Let's tire them out. Another thing is hurry up offense. Let's hurry him up. Let's get him off track. Let's get Aaron Donald off the field. Let's get him a breather. Excuse me. And you have to you have to manipulate the game somehow, somehow, some way. You can't just think we're going to line up, give the defensive coordinator time to look at his play sheet, look at the play clock, look at the down and distance, and be able to call a, a a really you know thought out game. You have to speed up everything, and that speeds up even on the defensive standpoint for the Rams. It speeds up their checks and and what they're doing. So now you create holes and um, or what have you, but. To, to answer your question directly, I think you need to – we have to throw bubble screens. I know we threw a lot of screens last week because of the O-line situation. You have to somehow get creative, some some trick plays. You know, Frank Wright has – he has them in his bag. You have to you go to that bag of tricks that he has to, to see how the Rams are going to defend this football team. And, you know, you see what works. You jot it down. You see what doesn't. You, go, you don't come back to it. But somehow, some way – the running game has to work. The defense definitely have their work cut out. I think they're going to step up to the plate because if they can create, sustain that momentum, they play within the second half, only giving up seven points and kind of stalling uh, Russell Wilson-led offense. If they can carry that over to this week and Lucas Oil, uh, I like our chances. All right. Uh, so interesting stuff here in the chat. We got Daryl Ingram, long time a uh, follower of mine says, uh, Dequell, big fan of yours from Canada. Really enjoyed your game, especially when you played for Indy. Go Colts. Canada. Canada's showing some love. Yeah, that's right, man. I really appreciate you being in here. All of you guys that are in. Um, Chardé Loading talks about uh, we, we need to focus on winning the division. How important is a game against the Rams, even though it's not a divisional game? It, it, it all it will we'll see it unfold the later part of the season obviously winning your conference game is very important winning your division is very important but we'll see how the other afc north teams or i'm sorry afc south teams fare against outside opponents in the nfc because it'll, it, it we won't see it right now we we're not going to see it right now it's the middle to the later part of the season seedings and what have you so it's very important you want to win every game obviously as a competitor you want to win every game and you need to win the games that you're supposed to win this one here is a 50 50 game where these are two playoff caliber teams um because let's face it if the Colts go on a run which we all believe they can and they go to the super bowl this is a team that they could potentially play again so uh we don't know at this moment what implications it may have but every game is important and, um, you know, this is a not only this not only is it a important game, but this is a great test for our football team up front, our offensive line to get back on track, our defensive line to get back on track and this team to get some confidence going into the following weeks, because this is a good football team. They can beat a great football team that's going to spill over uh, to the following weeks. And as a former player, it is very important. Guys, look at those games when you're playing elite talent and if you can beat elite talented teams that's going to give you confidence to win within your division and so forth the thing is is when i was sitting there and i was talking to uh the guy from from um uh, la football podcast uh yes. ryan he 
he seems to not realize. He's like, why haven't the Colts been able to develop wide receivers? Outside of T.Y. Hilton, no one's a name. And that caught me thinking, you know, starting a different quarterback every year for four years straight, that's got to play into it, don't it? I yeah, mean. no doubt. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> Ever since Andrew Luck left, you know, he retired. You know, Chris Ballard is trying to figure out this roster, and I think he's done a damn good job of building outside and now coming in. You know, you have a you have a court. You your team is has was a top ten defense last year. Your offense was, uh, I believe, top ten in scoring offense. So uh, it wasn't just the quarterback. You know, we could all agree last year Philip Rivers wasn't the guy that he was when he walked into the league. This team, he chose this team because they were well stacked in all the other areas. So. Uh, I think the football guys have sprinkled the football magic on this franchise to go from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck. And now you're still in a, re- a very solid position uh, to make a run in the playoffs and ultimately win a Super Bowl. But in terms of receivers, of answering that question, they had needed to, to, to make a big spill in, in free agency because you had a solid football team. Now, when I was there in 2014 and, and 2016, we had Reggie Wayne, T.Y. We had a ton of guys that were playmakers, Frank Gore. So it kind of shifts and, you know, it kind of, you know, it shifts. But uh, Chris Ballard, I think he's done a phenomenal job. Hey, if there's a receiver that could potentially help this football team, great. But I don't think that's Chris Ballard's mind. He's building a defense. He's building an offensive line. Something that the offensive line, something that we hadn't been really great at, even when Andrew Luck was here. Now, if Chris Ballard, I'm throwing a hypothetical out there now, if Chris Ballard ran this football team years ago, you know, who's to say that Andrew Luck wouldn't have retired? He would have been healthy. We would have made a a deeper run, you know, some odd years ago. So there's a lot of what ifs. We can play that game all day. But I don't think the Colts have necessarily needed a big dynamic playmaker at the receiver position. Speaking it of, helps. yeah, oh yeah, it always helps. It always helps. But I don't know. I, I'm I'm of the the opinion if you have a bunch of producers, not a, a main go to guy, but a bunch of what you would consider number twos uh, on right. a team, then I feel like it, that's harder to defend, right? Because oh, no doubt, yeah, no doubt. Because um, because Ty Ty Hilton has had a, a heck of a career. He's had, I mean, he's one of the most underrated receivers there are for his size and what he's been able to to accomplish in a short t- time. Uh, not a short time because he's a veteran, but obviously he's dealing with some some injuries now and that happens in this game. But T.Y. isn't the biggest guy. He's been able to be a number one receiver and hold his own with Reggie Wayne was there and, and uh, Andre Johnson was there and he was still the main focal point. So um, we can't overlook the, the contribution T.Y. Hilton has made for this football team. Let, let's go flip on the defensive side because they, they've cut their work cut out for them, at least in the passing game. Uh, Matt Stafford and that passing game looked absolutely phenomenal against they a did. very good Chicago Bears defense. Um, yes, yes, they have yes. so many. And there were, they, they had weapons that wouldn't even utilize. Like Deshaun Jackson, I think, had one catch that game. I forgot he was on the – they went to commercial, and I forgot he was on the football team. I'm like, wait, they have Deshaun Jackson? Oh, right. God. They have <laughs> speed, man. They have speed, but I, I agree with you. Um, man, Matt Stafford is definitely 
this is his year. I think this guy has the mental mindset of I finally got a creative play caller. I finally have a defense. I finally have a complete team around me because, you know, years ago, we we looked at him as being the savior because we were blessed with the Tom Brady's of the world and the Peyton Manning's of the world. Well, that's not him. You know, every decent quarterback or elite quarterback needs a team around him. You know, you, you take Brady out of the equation. I think this is a scary football team. And like I mentioned earlier, if the Colts can somehow win this football team, win this football game, not beat, shoot themselves in the foot, not turn the ball over, you know, not give up big plays by miscommunication on the back end. You can be a quality football team like this. Man, this gives me a lot of uh, confidence moving forward. And, you know, you know, you talk about the weapons they have on offense, you know, Cooper Cup. And, you know, that's another guy that you need to, on third down, that guy is so elusive. Oh, and, and guess who's going to probably be matched up on him a ton is our buddy Darius Leonard. And he's hobbled right now. And I know what it feels like to have a guy like Wes Welker or or uh, whatever these slot receivers that used to play for the New England Patriots. And I knew when it was coming. You know, they'll spread you out in trips. Darius Leonard, because of his speed, he's going to be matched on, on the number three receiver. Typically, it's going to be a Cooper Cup or one of these slice and dice type of guys. They're going to go after him. They're definitely going to go after him. So it's important that we play with the lead. We don't play from behind. That we can, you know, help ourselves here and, and win that time of possession. But the, the Los Angeles Rams is a scary, scary team. Yeah, don't scary, forget. Scary I mean, they've they've got Robert Woods too. That man, mm. that man can be some danger. That's a lot of weapons for Matt Stafford. <laughs> I yes. mean, a lot. And and last week. Uh, we watched Kari Willis let uh, one guy get behind him twice, which was yeah. half the score for Seattle uh, last week. They have multiple people that can get behind our defense. And yes. that's that worries me a lot. It's a head-scratcher. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a head-scratcher. Uh, man, yeah, we, we, have to, we have to be able to take the big plays off of us. We can't give them up defensively. Um, you know, it's going to be tough from an offensive standpoint to chuck the ball down the field because you have a guy like Jalen Ramsey who don't even throw his way, don't even look his way. Uh, the guy is just a savvy vet, can still challenge receivers, uh, still plays great in zone coverage. I think this is going to be a, a very interesting game because the Colts, I, they can't afford to go down 0-2 and lose your first two home games at home because I, I don't know what the statistics state say now, but I know when I was playing, the chances, the percentages, the percentage of you making the playoffs were very low if you were to lose two games in a row. So I think they all understand that. I think Frank Wright has probably, you know, really got the attention of those guys because this isn't indicative of what this football team can play like and will be um, as the weeks pile up. But uh, I do think we have opportunities because the Rams defense have shown, as we talked about, vulnerability of stopping the run. They're great at rushing the passer. They're great at defending the run, defending the pass. But in terms of defending the run, I think we have an area where we can we can gain some 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 good uh, uh, some good points and some good yardage uh, off of that. Jason David brings up something news that just came out. Uh, I think it was yesterday. Uh, the Colts' fifth round pick, Sean Davis, was released mm-hmm. from the practice squad. 
that's interesting. So that was it's basically uh, wasted a fifth round pick this year. Wow, wow, I, that that that's a head scratcher. That that's odd. He made the team. Mm-hmm. He was on practice squad, and we clearly had communication issues on the back end last week. And to give up to release a guy who knows the system that could potentially come in and you know help you. Uh, hmm. I don't know. I don't know about that. Maybe there was something internally that went on that they aren't disclosing because that that isn't uh, that's rare that your draft pick as a as a GM. You've done your due diligence all year. You've chosen the best guy you possibly can. In the fifth round, you find gems. And maybe there was something that uh, went on internally to get him booted off this football team. Yeah. That's very I, interesting. Uh, a, a fifth round rookie being released is just not something you see every day. He'd had to have played terrible. And I don't think he played that terrible. What I'm thinking. Right is you're probably right. It ha- it probably has something to do uh, with with him as a person. You know, yeah, that, something that, happened. That, yes, something definitely probably happened here because you, you, you just don't, that doesn't happen unless, you know, what changed from last week to this week? Uh, granted, no one played well last, last week. So, you know, uh, yeah, that's interesting. We got to keep our eyes on that. Uh, later in the week and, and, and see if uh, we can figure out, you know, what happened with that. That, that is very interesting because I, our, our secondary needs all the help they could possibly get because oh. with all these injuries mounting up, you know, early on in the season, you don't want that. Not right now. Nope. We haven't even made it to a bye week. <laughs> we haven't made it to the first <laughs> quarter of the season. So this is uh, <laughs> whew. our play. I'll tell you what, our playmakers, the, the Forrest Buckner, uh, you know, Darius Leonard, you know, uh, Xavier wrote these guys, you know, uh, uh, I even say Jack, Jack Doyle, uh, you know, these guys who are the playmakers, who are the veterans and the leaders on this football team. This is the moment where they have to rise to the top. This is the, this is why you're being paid. This is why you are who you are for these moments where granted it's only one game. I'm not, you know, losing my mind here, but those are the guys that have to, to, to be able to be the playmakers. And, and galvanize this team by your play and your actions on the football field. Absolutely. Hey, guys, if you're watching this right now, please smash that like button, hit subscribe. If you're not subscribed, tag that notification bell. If you're listening to this later on, on whatever podcast uh, platform you listen to, please don't forget to download and share it as well. I'd really, really appreciate it. It'd help us out a ton. Um, so, yeah. You talked about the buy and Alpha Wolf in the chat says uh, we got a long way before that buy. Long us. way, man. Like, man I can't. Uh, I can't imagine playing seventeen weeks. Sixteen weeks was a lot, man. Uh, man, and and I, I remember Lawrence when you when you go into a season, uh, you want to be as healthy as possible because mentally, when you don't feel like you're at your best when you start the season, it affects you mentally it's going to affect you down the road and and what 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 gets you out of that is a win you feel better your body feel it's amazing how good your body feels when you win a football game because these guys hadn't won since last season so you know you put in all this work in the off season and then you get to otas and mini camp and training camp and first game not only do you get beat you get beat in a bad way you don't play really good football so these guys are itching to play really good football and 
the LA Rams, they're in the house. <coughs> I'm sure it's going to be a packed crowd. They're going to be ready to see their team play the way they know they they believe they can play. Uh, we all will be watching. Uh, it's going to be. Uh, I, I'm interested interested to see how what type of offensive scheme and and philosophy Frank Wright and company are going to how they're going to attack the LA Rams and that front seven of theirs. Absolutely, and and find a way to not have the three and outs that they had against Seattle because that is killer. Um, and, and what causes a lot of three and outs is self-inflicted wounds, you know, false mm-hmm. starts or or uh, miscommunication, missed assignments, things of that nature. Uh, one says third down is the most important down, but in my opinion, I think first down might be because if you mm-hmm. get first down right, that makes second and third down so much easier to get if it comes to that. Right, right. First and third. Third is the more of an emphasis on, you know, your, your pass rushers and and your quarterback and your receivers, you know, being on the same page, right? Mm-hmm. We get it. You overcome not having a so good first down, but you're right. So you get them to second and seven plus. Now an offense is playing from behind. They're off track. The way their, their play sheet predominantly the predominantly the um, their plays are predominantly on schedule plays and when you get off track then it throws a wrench in the offensive play callers you know thinking so uh i agree with you first down is, is very crucial i remember you know uh uh greg minuski you know he he third and first you know and second down you look for if you win first down you're looking for if you're a defensive player get back on track some sort of screen or or uh, gotta have not gotta have it played, but um, intermediate route. So um, yeah, the, the the Colts can't start like that. You're, you're right. They they have to find a way to win the first down and make the game easier for them. Get Carson Wentz and that offense to third and and five or less, and now you're rolling. Now you're creating some momentum. So when it does come, which it will, you're going to get off track on first down, and now you have to go out and make some plays. Now the players have to go out and make plays. And your quarterback has to go out and, and, and make great throws. And, and your offensive line has to protect. And your running backs have to protect. So uh, you want to get make the game as easy as possible. You went first down, you control the game. And you also control the time of possession. So there's a good question by my other co-host from Colts Law. Loyalist asks, what goes on in the seeing through an offense that uses a lot of pre-snap movement. Mm-hmm. Like Say what goes on in, in, a, in, a, in a defensive player with a defensive player and they're sitting there trying to break down the game, you know, the, the, the offensive right. play call and you got all this movement going on. Uh, yeah. How, how, how do you see through all that movement to see what's actually going on? Yeah. The way I dealt with it, you have to, every, every offense is going to lie to you. Right. There's, mm-hmm. there's not many offenses that's going to come out and show you their formation and stay in that formation and play ball because guys like myself and veteran guys, you start to pick up tendencies throughout the game. Whatever you've learned, whatever you've studied, you know, walking into that game. Now, things now that's in-game adjustments and the way I used to deal with it, I would anticipate if a team comes out in motion, I look at the guys who can create a new formation, the guys off the ball. If there's slot over here, I'm looking at the slot receiver. Is he tucked in really tight to the the either tight end or tackle? And if he is, more than likely, 
he's moving back over here. And based on the split, so you have to you have to play the game a couple steps ahead. And it takes film study, it takes experience, and it takes a great play caller to understand because a lot of times you don't have a lot of guys who can who can go from one coverage and based on emotion go into an entirely different coverage. It came up last week against the um was it it was in the uh the the Chiefs games actually. They were they had this set where they have three receivers here, receiver backside. And the running back motions to create an empty set. Well, the Browns had a blitz on. And as a as a linebacker, I saw it coming. The guy pretty much ran um, ran in motion. He ran the route. And the inside linebacker blitzed. And Travis Kelsey was right over the ball for an easy five-yard game. So not everyone is able to do it. If you have a great play caller, if you have a great, um, when I say play caller, a, a great signal caller, I should say, linebacker who can get your guys in and out of adjustments it makes everyone else feel a lot more comfortable because a lot of guys you have to communicate and that was it showed up last week you know a guy running scot free down the field you give up a big you know a, a touchdown before the half second and 20 it can't happen it can't happen and it's because of that now i don't remember the particular play if anyone motion which i highly doubt it but those are the things that offensive coaches try to create to create confusion on the defensive end um, with all the motion and, and we call it window dressing. Yeah. Um, so there was an interesting question, uh, but I'm, I'm going to bring it up myself uh, different, okay. something different because you, you did play linebacker and you did yes. watch, you did watch the game and see uh, against Seattle. And I'm mm-hmm. sure you watched a sideline pass to the tight end Disley for Seattle and Bobby Okariki yeah. comes streaming down and yeah. just get crumbled at, at, at the <laughs> tight end's feet. Right. And what right. went through your mind when you saw that play unfold before you? It's like, thank good. Thank God. It's uh he has another week because it's week <laughs> one. So everyone's getting, getting the rust out. So, you know, I, I took it as that. I was like, okay, you got to play better than this. Cause uh, <laughs> a film study, uh, everyone's going to look at him like, man, what the heck are you doing? You know? so <laughs> it, it happens. It happens. That's the that's the 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 realness of being in the NFL locker room. Everyone sees it. If, if you have an embarrassing play, you better believe everyone on the defense is going to see it. But it was, you know, thank goodness it's week one. You know, hopefully he'll he'll come out and play a lot better uh, against the L.A. Rams because that, that's the way it goes, man. That's the way it goes, Lawrence. You have a, you put a bad play out there. It's like, man, I can't wait to 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 put, you know, to strap up and, and show what I could do and not have that be the the last image of uh, you know, me on the field. When 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 that when something like that does happen, do do those players get picked on a lot during the week? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. That I mean that that's that's what area I do miss about the NFL locker room is you gotta be thick skinned, man. You gotta be willing to take a joke. And uh, when something like that happens, I, I, you know, I hate to talk about myself, but I'll say this. When you brought that up, uh, I go to two things. There's a Sports Illustrated years ago when I was playing for the Browns. We were playing Minnesota, and the guy by the name of Adrian Peterson had a career day against us. And just so happened, uh, (laughs) I forget the offensive lineman's name, but you pick up the Sports Illustrated, you see, you'll see, Adrian Peterson, you know, you know, running through, he broke through the second wave of, you know, linebackers or whatever. 
and you see a Browns helmet on the ground with a, a thick patch of grass in his helmet. And he's wearing this helmet here. <laughs> and it was me. <laughs> so, you know, I still, oh my gosh. Like, can you imagine? It was on Sports Illustrated. Wow. There was Sports Illustrated uh, magazines probably posted. I mean, it was, you know, you got to be thick skinned, man. And, and you just make, you have to make sure you, you, you have more good plays than bad plays or else you won't have a job. And the, the other instance is uh, uh, Steven Jackson when he played for the St. Louis. It was the St. Louis Rams at the time. Yeah. We all know he had a great stiff arm. And this guy was as big, if not bigger, than I was. And he stiff-armed me on the sideline up under his team's bleachers, Ooh. the seating. Yeah, so he stiff-armed me. And I, I, I think I ran maybe 10 yards, and I slid underneath their – bench and it was the most embarrassing thing I've ever been a part of so it happens it, it, it does, does happen to all of us if you play long enough it's going to happen to you but uh yeah <laughs> that's yeah. funny you bring remember all of that good those great memories <laughs> right all right you know what a mm -hmm. definitely because there was one question here Charday Loading asks who do you think has a better D-line the Bears or the Colts is that a trick question <laughs> I mean, the Bears got like, I can't, yeah, hits. I mean, they got, yeah. you know, uh, a, a, uh, a what, certain number 52 themselves. 52, yeah. <laughs> him, him, him alone kind of, you know, he's a generational <laughs> talent. You know, the guy can disrupt the game by himself. And, you know, I, I don't think it's a, it's a no brainer. I, I think the, the Bears definitely have a better you know, defensive line. And, and I can tell you this, if you, if we had a number 52 that, that would rush off the edge, like that man, I don't think what happened last week would have happened as much because the havoc that that guy can create is bar none. One of the best to ever do it. Or Sharday is saying that, uh, just asking because the bears didn't get all that much pressure against Stafford and that's worrisome. But the one thing we do have is, DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart. And those two right. guys are very solid in the middle. Sure, right. they could get pressure on the outside, but Stafford's not Stafford's one of those guys who likes to step up into the pocket. And if if we could get pressure with, with our defensive tackles, that'll stop that, right? Yeah, no, no doubt. And one thing else you have to remember is Sean McVay and his offense, he likes to get his quarterback outside of the pocket. He loves bootlegs and play action pass. So that actually isn't as traditional as a traditional offense will be in today's game. So Sean McVay does a great job of helping his quarterback who's somewhat mobile, get outside of the pocket. So guys like, uh, you know, uh, Grover Stewart and, and, and DeForest Buckner, they would, you know, they obviously pose a threat in the interior of the D line, but you know, Sean McVay is smart. He helps himself by getting his quarterback out of the pocket and not having him be a statue, a standing target. And we all know when that's the case, you know, our pass rush can have a field day at that point. And that's what makes their offense so unique. And you couple that with the tr the reverses and the creativeness that uh, Sean McVay comes up with. And uh, it's an exciting offense to watch, but it's also a very difficult one to defend. Oh yeah. Very, very difficult. Um, but you know, I do like our front seven against against that. Uh, but 
Last week, the Colts brought a lot of pressure. It's something that Matt Eberflus, you didn't see a lot uh, of extra no. blitzes and stuff from Matt Eberflus previously. Yeah. And last week, we saw a ton of it. We saw a lot of extra blitzes and stuff like that. Guys coming in. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm almost afraid to see something like that against Matt Stafford in this in this uh, in this Rams offense because if you're bringing an extra guy, that's one less person in coverage, and they got so many weapons. Yeah, I, I don't think I think because the game dictated it last week because we were down and you had to create change the math in a sense and give them a different dose of who we are and break the your tendency of how we run our defense. If we see that this week, I don't think it's a good idea because they they do too many sprint outs and rollouts and things of that nature. Either you have to call the right pressure for the right play. If not, you have to play in coverage. As you mentioned, they have too many weapons on the other side, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and those guys. And you you don't know. It's too, too early to really know what Sean McVay and a Matthew Stafford-led offense will be. You know, they're still finding out who they are. So it's going to be a touch difficult for Matt Eberflus to figure out, okay, I know Matt Stafford and I know Sean McVay. How are they going to – you have to study last week like it's a blueprint of who they are. That's You only have one game to show you that. So I think Eberflus is smart enough to know, like, hey, you know, we don't want to pressure. We don't want to pressure as much as we did. We got some guys banged up. Some of our key guys banged up. We, we need them healthy. Uh, and we need their eyes on Matt Stafford and that uh, unique offense where they they give you some misdirection and things of that nature. And when you're blitzing, that means your man-to-man coverage, a zone man coverage, some sort of some form of man coverage, which we've proven last week. The communication standpoint is 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 not on par of where it needs to be. So uh, hopefully they, they they were able to get those things corrected. But you're right. I think we need to go back to who we are. Trust the guys up front to get pressure, hold the gap, stop the run. Let's play fundamental football from a defensive standpoint. And then if the game dictates it, now you can mix it up and add some pressure here and there if you're able to. So I'm going to get to your question, Alpha, finally. Uh, Alpha Wolf asked, um, wonder if we'll actually see Marlon Mack this week. And I actually believe we probably will. I, I think the game dictated that we did not see Marlon Mack last week. Because right. Seattle like to use a lot of people in the box, and mm-hmm. uh, the the offensive line was just not getting very much push. And Marlon Mack is that guy who he uses the offensive line. He directs the right. blocks and and finds the opening. Uses patience. The Rams we already talked about don't bring extra guys very often into the box. I think that'll open it up a little bit more for Mac, and I think his game would probably be more effective in this kind of a situation than than some of the other running backs. What do you think? Yeah, I think you have to test it. You have mm-hmm. to try. I mean, I think we have three really, really good running backs. Naheem Himes has been very good, and you add Marlon Mack. If that's the case, you have to test it. You have to be – not only do you have to test you have to be committed to it. You know, if you stay committed to it and you get Aaron Donald bored – with just playing run, all great pass rushers get bored just playing the run. <laughs> you know, and like we talked about earlier, you spread them out. You throw a little hitches and 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 bubble screens to your receiver. You get those guys going from that three-point stance to the sideline. Tire them out. Speed up the game. 
And but I, I, I do think Marlon Mack, if, if Marlon Mack has a chance to play, I think you use it. Yeah, I, I think he he's itching. You need to use all the the healthy people and the the available players that you have that are playmakers for your football team. Absolutely. I especially in a situation like this, find somebody that works and then ride the horse. That's the way I see it, man. Yes, yes, man. You have to. You have to find a way to. And I, I'm thinking, trying to think about ways to help our O line, and I think that 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 does it. You know, you 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 you're upfront with them. You tell them, hey, this is what we're going to be committed to. I've seen it in the past. We're going to run the freaking football. We're going to run this, that, and the other. We want to get those guys confident and not on their heels to think, oh, heck, are we going to open the game up throwing the football? Do we know what we're going to call? Because last week we didn't fare all that well. Give them confidence. Give them confidence. Test test that L.A. Rams front seven. See if they can hold up. See, see if they're committed to, to, to stuffing the run and being committed to stuffing the run. And I think you have to constantly take the pressure off of Carson Wentz, for one. Uh, keep him upright because I'm sure he's banged up uh, for sure. You don't want to repeat that, you know, that, that – <laughs> that 12, that heavyweight bout that he played by himself, you know? Um, so you, I think, I think we got a good chance here. I, I think we, if they, they can do those things, I, I think offensively we can be productive. I have one more question before we end this. And it was something that just came up, came up to my mind. Um, when you're dealing with uh, an offense like the Rams, who um, is just, they, they have so many weapons and, and, and a, a veteran quarterback like Matt Stafford. Is it better to try to disguise a defense, what the defense is doing or, um, or, or play base like yourself, you know, whatever it is, and just try to be fundamentally sound. Yeah. You, you're definitely based on their personnel, whether it's, I think they're going to run a lot of uh, little people personnel, like, 11 personnel, 12 personnel. Mm -hmm. So that's going to dictate a loan of playing like a sub defense. You're probably going to have a one linebacker and a safety in the box. So I think it all depends on how the game plays out. But again, disguise has to be your number one priority from training camp, from OTAs and mini camp. You have to have, you have to be able to disguise your coverage because a guy like Matthew Stafford, you're not going to fool him. He's seen every look. And the, the longer you can hold your disguise, whether you're a safety in the box and you have deep third, you have to hold your disguise as much as possible. But I don't think our secondary is there just yet. I've yet to see it. Last week, line up and play. Line up and play. You know what? We're going to play man on man. We don't care if Matthew Stafford knows it at times. But yeah. in other times where you know you feel confident as a play caller, my guys can disguise this particular coverage we've run a thousand times throughout the offseason, throughout the summer and training camp. I think you have to you have to simplify the game plan and you have to be able to trust that your guys can can execute the plays that you call and not get too cute and not get too creative. Matt Stafford has seen everything. And you talk about such a dynamic <coughs> offense. Uh, I think that plays a huge part. You know, because they have too many playmakers. And you have to be able to uh, reroute guys. You know, we haven't talked much about that from a, 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 a nickel standpoint or you're a strong linebacker or a linebacker. You have to be able to disrupt their timing. They're all about timing. That offense is timing. 
Okay, so another question came up. Loyalists brought it up, and that's a very good. You was talking about how you expect them to play a lot of 11 or 12 personnel on offense. Do you think Indy should run a lot of 13 or 22? That, that You know what? If you're committed to running the football, we'll see a lot of it. We'll see more uh, tight ends in the game. Uh, we'll see some some counters, some some misdirection plays. And when you line up in, in 12 and 13 and it's, you know, you see one receiver spread out, you're telling me, okay, we trust our guys up front. We trust the guy that we're handing the ball off to, and we're going to be committed to running the football. And now when that happens, now you can play action pass off of this, and now the game's become much easier read for our buddy Carson Wentz. So, yeah, I do think we're going to see – we should see a healthy dose of it early to see how the, the Rams' defense responds to um, a team that's committed to running the football. But they have to do it. If you think you're going to line up and just out of 11 personnel – and shotgun and hand the ball off with a guy like Aaron Donald, who's so quick at the point of attack. That's, I don't see that being successful. Nah, I think you have to put big bodies on him, move him around, double team him, chip him, work up to the next level. You got to keep a body on the body with him. Absolutely. Even, even if it's Quentin Nelson, you're expecting a lot of Quentin Kelly combos. No doubt. No doubt. You, You have to wear him down. He has to be hit multiple times by multiple people every single down. And uh, if not, you trap him because he likes to swim, move, and blow past guys. You trap right in front of him. You run a draw right in front of him. You force him, not all the time, but when he gets in the rhythm of, of you know, because he's going to put pressure, he's going to put pressure and stress on our offensive line. That's what he does. <laughs> that's who he is. And you have to negate that by, you know, letting that, you know, running traps and things of that nature when he's, you know, jumping outside of his gap. Absolutely. All right. So we're going to come to near the end of this. We're going to go ahead. Alpha's screaming. Game predictions. Game predictions. So <laughs> um, I'm gonna, I'll give mine first uh, on okay. this game. Honestly, I feel like the Colts have a shot, but mm-hmm. the problem is, from what I saw against Seattle, what I saw week one from both teams, and then plus what I'm seeing on the injury report, it worries me, you know? And, yeah, it's worse. And, and this, in my opinion, might be the toughest game of the year for Indy. Uh, the Rams might be. I mean, uh, there's a lot of people out there that are saying the Bucks are the best team. I think the Rams are right there, you know, as, as maybe the best team in the NFC. Um, yes. So... I know this is a home game. I understand uh, how important this game is, but the, the realistic person of me uh-huh. is seeing more of a like a a thirty one twenty four Rams win. Mm. I appreciate your honesty. I really do. I appreciate your honesty, and I'm not going to follow you up with that. However, I think they get back on track. I think it's going to be a highly competitive football game. I think all the worries that we have are fair, fair worries to have. However, I think Frank Wright, I think that defense comes to play. I think they shock and give and give the, these Rams a dose of what real football in the AFC South, how we really play football here. Um, as far as a prediction score, 
what'd you say, 31 24? Mm-hmm. I definitely think I'm going to go 27 17 Colts. Wow. Colts at home. Holding yeah. the Rams to 17 yeah. points. Yeah. That's a I'm defensive stand I'm right there. It. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I, I believe in my Colts D. I believe in them. I believe, I, and, and so do you. I'm saying I, I yeah. really feel like they're going to need that type of victory to really prove to themselves like, hey, last week was a flu. That That isn't us. We didn't expect that from ourselves. And I, I really feel like this is the moment where Carson Wentz comes to play. Things work well. We get some calls. Uh, we're at home. The, foul, the fans are going to be loud. Uh, I really think they, they need that type of victory. If not, yeah, you know. Uh, they got some work cut out. <laughs> they yes, they do. This out. this will this will be a very very tough game. I do think the Colts definitely have a shot at winning it if everything goes the way they need it to go. Right? They need to dictate yeah. this game, not the other way around. The way Seattle was dictating how hey, the Colts played. We got we, we. What do we have defensively? We have uh, one turnover and forty more. Or was it forty? Was the prediction? How many yeah. turnovers? 40 so we have 39 more to go maybe hopefully right. we get three we get three uh this weekend <laughs> oh do you think the halftime festivities of this game might have an, an effect on the game with the with the crowd because you do know what's going on at halftime yes. in this game right? yes yes i do i i th- you know what the players unfortunately unless uh the guys can come and hang out at the building and talk to these guys ahead of time if they don't do any of those things, honestly, the players don't really, they don't really feel that energy because you're in the locker room and you're going over checks and, you know, different things. Uh, however, I'm sure they've been asked about it a ton. To say it having a huge effect on them, I don't, I don't think so. I, I don't think so unless, you know, Edron James and those guys come and actually talk to them and hang out with them a night before the game. That's the only if they don't do that, I don't really see it being weighing uh, heavily on the players right now. A lot of these guys don't even, you know, they're so young, (laughs) you know, um, but I don't think it has a huge effect on them. All right. Well, I think it'll have an effect on the crowd, but, you know, no doubt, no doubt. But but on the players themselves, I get what you're saying. All right, guys, I appreciate everyone that was watching and listening to this. Please don't forget, smash that like button, hit subscribe if you're not subscribed, tag that notification bell. Go check out DeQuell's podcast. DeQuell, give them a little bit of information about what it is and where they can find it. Yes, uh, please go follow us on Instagram at Athletes Unplugged. I have a podcast. Uh, We actually just dropped a new episode yesterday, actually. Uh, A funny uh, friend of mine, he's a comedian. Uh, he used to play college football. He got injured, but he was able to pivot himself into a, uh, you know, a, a comedian role. But aside from that, go check it out. It's me and my friends just talking ball. It's therapeutic. We talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything underneath the sun. So go check it out. Athletes Unplugged. It's on all your major social media platforms. You can go check out Dequell Jackson on Instagram at Dequell Jackson with without the what's that. Apostrophe. Apostrophe. apostrophe yeah, yeah. without that <laughs> uh you can check me out on twitter at colts underscore law and of course on youtube lawrence owen and until next time i'm lawrence owen that's dequell jackson and until next time go colts have a good one 
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.